Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. is that anyone attempting to leave them out should be shot on sight. Hello, good evening and welcome to Gatecast episode 214. 215, as we would say in Swedish. <laughs> I had a puzzled look on my face there. <laughs> good evening everybody, welcome to the Gatecast. And Alan's feeling frisky by the sounds of it. What next, a whole episode done in Swedish? Uh, no. No. <laughs> That could be your final exam. For level three, maybe. <laughs> maybe level four. I'm on level one. Okay. Baby step. I barely know the verb to wake up. Although something I tend to say in Swedish class in the morning is, what's it? Oh, yes. Ja sover inte bra, ja trott, ja behover kaffe. Which in order translates as, I didn't sleep well, I'm tired, I need coffee. I thought I heard coffee in there somewhere. Yeah, you did. <laughs> sober being sleep and bra being good. And obviously the inter being the negative qualifier. And uh, what sounds like ja is actually jar, which is jag ar. Ar features very heavily, it's the verb to be. And you'd be amazed that you pretty much put it in every bloody sentence, which contains the word I. <laughs> right. Because if you think about it, it's been dropped a lot in the UK. In general English, how often would you say I am? Very rarely. Yeah, but am is implied. Yeah. Yeah, well, you can't be employing it in Swedish. Right. It's a very specific language. For example, your mother's mother, rather than the word grandmother, it's mormor, or pamor, or papa, or morpa. Basically, you can tell with a single word, well, it's technically two words mashed together for brother's wife, or rather mother's brother's wife, that sort of thing. It gets wonderfully specific about relatives. <laughs> it's a nicely logically constructed language. And I discovered how simple it is to pair my computer with the PS3 from a YouTube perspective. Because frankly, the search YouTube app on the PS3 is very good in every way but one. And that's the search, which is crap. Because you literally have to scroll back and forth through the letters. That's a pain in the proverbial. I take it you haven't seen the Lost Girl finale yet. Otherwise, you'd be pestering me about it. No, I've been watching pretty much nothing but the West Wing. I'm almost done with season two. Only five more to go. Hey, I managed almost two seasons in a week. <laughs> well, like you say, you're not exactly doing much, are you? No. Well, yeah, I am. I try to go for at least two hours of Ingress play a day, which covers about maybe four miles or so. I've got meetings for this. I've got revision. We have a major presentation on the 6th. I think my courses are going to start kicking off the week after next. Yeah. So then suddenly what time I have. And I had laundry as well. <laughs> Laundry takes two hours. Although there was a woman on Saturday. Yeah, she put in about the equivalent of a quarter load for an hour. And bear in mind, this isn't your standard domestic dryer. This is like laundrette size. It's a big industrial thing. It'd probably take about 30 pounds of laundry. Ah, so it was well done then. Because she put it on and then she fucked off. So I was like, right, if you're going to do that. So I waited about 20 minutes. 
And then I checked it, and it seemed mostly dry, so I took it out. I put mine in for 20 minutes. I took mine out because it was dry after that. And then I put hers back in and set it to 15 minutes. Since she didn't come back, as far as she was concerned, the clothes had never left the dryer. <laughs> Sneaky. It saves hassle. <laughs> Turns out on the bright side, I met the woman that we were trying to rent the large room off, ideally for free, for the Pratchett event we're organising in August. And it turns out that because the place isn't open, although they do want to charge us three fifty, we get the entire building. Yeah. Stairs, downstairs, bar area, auditorium with stage, lunch and food, restaurant area, another area that we can set up games in, cloakroom, the whole lot. We will have to pretty much staff it ourselves, but if it comes to it, I'll pay the three fifty myself and I'll stand outside with a shagging collecting tin. <laughs> We shouldn't just settle for a corner of a pub somewhere. We should make this event the best event we can. Yep, you always reach for the sky. This is the Emperor. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Come grab a table, pull up a chair at the Sci-Fi Diner, where the food is always hot and your hosts are, well, out of this world. Sample some geeky trivia. You, our listeners, need to tell us what a Star Trek series did Tony Amador guest star in. Dine with celebrity guests. Hi, this is LeVar Burton from Roots, Star Trek The Next Generation. This is Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead. And rub shoulders with the locals. This is Floyd of Aurora, Colorado. Hi, this is Rick from Montana. And get it to go with the sci-fi five and five. Top five movies, one scene, cannot be unseen. All served up at SciFiDinerPodcast.com. Serving up science fiction from here to the end of the universe. I watched that, Mega Shark versus Mech Shark on the weekend. You know, I looked at it and I thought, Mike can enjoy this. <laughs> Chris George, he's a lot smaller than he was when he finished playing Tilk. Really? Oh, yeah. Still proportion, like, you know, he's, he's no uh, wave, but <laughs> not the hunker muscle he used to be. Well, he's well into his 40s now, isn't he? I'd imagine he's probably older than that. Yeah, well, it's hard to maintain that kind of look. I mean, uh, once you pass 40, you've got to work twice as hard for half the result. Especially when people aren't paying you to do it. Yeah. Yeah, fun movie. Out and out B-movie. Where can you go wrong with a, a giant prehistoric huge shark being taken on by a robotic shark by the US Navy? I'm not sure where to start with that. With wheels. With wheels. Oh, I was speechless. I'm not kidding. This mecha shark got thrown out of Sydney Harbour, landed on this building. I thought, oh, well, that's it then. And then all of a sudden, amphibious mode. <laughs> Some tracks came out and started rolling around the streets. <laughs> So there's a Chris's character on a motorbike. <laughs> mm. oh, big fun. I think you'd enjoy that awful movie I had to watch on Friday evening. Which was? 12.01. Oh, yeah, you mentioned it, and I said I'd never heard of it. I'm really not surprised, but I watched it. I thought I was just looking at it and thinking, this is terrible. This is really, 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 really bad. I think Mike might enjoy it. Yeah. The premise rings a bell. I'm looking at the IMDb page. It doesn't. Does it even score above 3.5? Yes, 6.9 from 2,819 users. So, oh, uh, God. You've just got too high standard, Alan. Too high. I have a standard. I have some standards. <laughs> I watch bad science fiction. I watch good science fiction. But it's gotten to the point now that when I'm eating breakfast and I'm sitting at my little pull-out breakfast bar thing, I've got the tablet open. Rather than reading a book, I'll watch 10 minutes of the West Wing. Yeah. Couldn't just sit down and watch 10 minutes of a TV episode, though. I can read a chapter of a book, but they're not, not actually TV. 
Well, it's the joy of Netflix. I can watch 10 minutes of it on my tablet and then I can go to the PS3 when I have more time and continue. Oh, it's not the practicality of it. It's just I don't, I wouldn't want to take my TV in those small bites. Yeah, I'm used to it. And then when I walk, I'm not listening to audiobooks at the minute. Brad has tweeted, I haven't rewatched those latter season nine episodes that much. Can't wait to revisit them. Have a great record, guys. Will do. Anyway, shall we commence? Yep, the video is all set to go. Yes, zero, 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 zero. Three, two, et, clicky. And a very, that doesn't look like Earth. No. Even a futuristic Canada. You know, I saw this small bit at the start where I was trying to establish if it was SG-1 or SGA. Yeah. And I didn't actually recognize Cameroon in this filming style. Well, it's all colorings changed, the yeah. close-up. The little camera on a piece of wood that they shove in his face. Oh, dear. Yeah, so you think, is it Stargate? <laughs> this is a bit different. Yeah, CSI SG-1. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it always the case when you wake up after murdering somebody, the police barge in mm-hmm. at the most inconvenient time? What the hell's going on? Colonel Mitchell. Yeah. What happened? They have zip tie handcuffs? <laughs> Alien zip ties. Yeah. That was the first technology we sold them. <laughs> we regret it ever since. Yeah. Well. That is one of the very rare times you see blood in Stargate. Oh my god. Colonel Mitchell, I'm placing you under arrest for the murder of Dr. Ray Barrick. Well, the worst you get is a, the odd head wound. Mm. Maybe with a little blood seeping through the bandage. That's a puddle. Mm-hmm. It's a puddle anyway. Something bad has happened. Okay then. Collateral Damage. Season 9, Episode 12, Stargate SG-1. Gatecast Episode 214. The episode was directed by William Waring and written by Paul Mully and Joseph Malozzi. Had its US premiere January the 13th, 2006. In the UK, we got it January the 17th and the Canadians got it January the 26th. Again, I don't have a date for Australia, but the French got it April the 29th, Japanese April the 30th, 2007, and the Swedes October the 19th, 2007. I was wondering if you had an Nordic one. Plenty of series with episodes of the same name. NCIS, Falling Skies, The Wire, Millennium, CSI Miami, Third Watch, The Pretender, Dallas and Blue Bloods. The director, William Waring, he directed 13 episodes of Stargate SG-1, 16 episodes of Stargate Atlantis and 9 episodes of Stargate Universe. He also directed some episodes of Continuum. The writing duo of Paul Mully and Joseph Malozzi, they wrote 38 episodes of Stargate SG-1, 15 of Atlantis and 12 of Universe. And we get 24 hours earlier, which is so common these days. Mm-hmm. This sort of, you've murdered someone, you're under arrest, is pretty much a trope. Yeah, I mean, it, it works. The episode wasn't intended or written to start this way. Actually, they started to go this way in editing. Mm. Congratulations. I'm assuming that's Anna Galvin. That is Anna Galvin playing Dr. Raya Varick. In flashbacks. You'll see. Ah, Walter. Anna recently was in the episode of Almost Human, which I watched last week. Mm. She's also been in Supernatural, Motive, Smallville and Eureka. And one of the few actresses that have been in three series of Stargate, SG-1, SG-8 and Universe. Obviously not playing the same character. 
No. <laughs> Australian actress, which you'll notice by the use of an accent on a particular word, <laughs> driving me crazy. <laughs> of course, at this stage, you don't know exactly what's happening, so Cameron's coming across a little different. Mm -hmm. Weapons of immeasurable power. Galar is vulnerable, Doctor. The project may be our only hope for survival. Been there, done that. We'll do our best, sir. Come on, everybody. Boo, hiss. Boo. He's got to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So William Atherton, he's always the bad guy. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Wrong franchise, but the sentiment seemed to fit. Mm-hmm. We've all seen Die Hard and Ghostbusters. It was about a year ago. Yeah. But we just met yesterday. I was the one who had a conversation with Dr. Varick. What you experienced was my memory. Slimy. Uh, slimy. <laughs> no, 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 no. There is only one person who can do slimy properly. Well, he's not in this episode. <laughs> in fact, in this series, he's dead. <laughs> was incorporated into your consciousness, like a transplant organ becoming part of a new body. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, she's so she's playing the other English trope in uh, American series, the innocent victim. There's always an innocent victim. Yeah, but Brit seemed to play two types, either innocent victim slash dupe or murderous villain. <laughs> Imagine your most brilliant surgeons or engineers instantaneously transferring the full memory of their education and experience to young students. You could conceivably cut their training time from years to mere weeks. And you say you adapted this technology from a gold memory device. That's correct. Uh, if you don't mind our asking, where did you get your hands on one? This planet has been under the protection of the Asgard for many generations, but it was originally occupied by the Gawuld. Mm. That's rare. We, we rarely uh, see the planets that the Asgard protect. Yeah, because the Asgard are too busy chasing little mechanical spiders. <laughs> but as I say in the episodes, the Asgard aren't paying much attention to uh, their protected planets after the fall of the system lords, plus the rebuilding of their cities. The last is the one who gets it right. <laughs> mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hello. What? Subtle, Cameron, subtle. Yeah. Now, what they're proposing seems a fantastic idea to train people, but yeah. as we come to see, there are significant drawbacks when the technology is abused. Mm. If they succeed, it could artificially accelerate their technological advancement. I think that's the point. I'm saying it could be dangerous. We're hardly in a position to judge, Dr. Jackson. Of course you are. A, you're humans, and B, you're Americans. It's your role in life to judge others. Well, they're Americans, they're not Republicans. Yeah. Are they aware of the all right? The Galarians feel like they need to play catch-up. In all likelihood, that is the reason they are seeking a relationship with the Tari. They are undoubtedly aware of our success against the Gaul. Do they know who's screwed here? <laughs> I mean, aside from our goodwill and fellowship. Well, right now they have no interstellar capability except for the gate itself. Just the gate that you've been using as your own interstellar capability for seven years. Uh, no, no. They had the Prometheus a few years before that. I think they had the Prometheus until season seven. Wet our appetite for the technology before we started bargaining. Well, it worked. The Joint Chiefs are already salivating over the idea of training jet pilots in a matter of days. We need to set up another meeting. No need, sir. We've already been invited back for a reception in honor of the scientists who developed the implant technology. I'm hoping they'll be dancing. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> Party time. Yes. Colonel Cameron, Kirk Mitchell. <laughs> Funnily enough. What Cameron gets up to in this episode, they uh, referred to as perking uh -huh. on the Gate World Forum. He said they had a lot of blowback. 
making Cameron look a bit too Don Juan-ish. Uh-huh. It doesn't look like he's enjoying the party. You know how it is with scientists. We spend so much time in the lab. I think that's where we feel most comfortable. In your case, I find that hard to believe. Now, this is a private house. I think they said it was valued about $7 million. They also used those big, huge helium floating light bulbs. Mm-hmm. They usually use them for the forest scenes. Potential of the technology is just that we're, we're talking about your memory here. It's fundamental to your identity. If you can't trust it, you're lost. Your memory is already less objective than you think it is, Dr. Jackson. Well, he's got a point. I mean, just ask any cop who's had to take eyewitness testimony. Yeah, but there's a difference between getting a license plate number wrong and not knowing if the four years you spent in college ever actually happened. Yes, but that would never be the case. Because everyone receiving the treatment would be aware of what they were getting. So long as the technology is not abused. Well, that's a risk with all new technologies. Easily said by one who has not been the victim of such abuse. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Personal experience there. Yes. Ah, Dr. Morell. Yes. Warren Kimmel playing Dr. Morell. He's been in The Collector, Supernatural, Matters of Horror one of the advantages when you have the commentary done by William Waring and Peter West who both in the time worked in director of photography and camera work they know the technical side of this sort of stuff I don't think diplomacy is my thing oh that's what you're doing what <laughs> oh Daniel <laughs> you Daniel you how many women have you seduced on how many worlds and how many after the last one you seduced has dead you would have thought since this was a, a kind of an official gathering they wouldn't have worn the Mm-hmm. They're dressed up a bit. Trouble in paradise. Mm-hmm. You moved up the test schedule, and you selected a group of volunteers. When did this happen? We've been very impressed with your progress. We thought it was time. She's not British. She's Australian. She is Australian, yes. You should take this as a compliment. I notice all the test subjects are military officers. How should I take that? This is still a classified operation. You gave me your personal assurance this project would remain under civilian control. That's it. That's the word. Yeah project <laughs> every, every time she says it and she says it a lot <laughs> you're overreacting and in any case this is hardly the place to discuss it this conversation isn't over oh, this is a party it's a party <laughs> he's gonna offer his shoulder to cry on Freya, wait up what was all that about i should have seen this coming they're going to take the project away from me project <laughs> yes which means they no longer need me I know where this is coming from. It's the general staff. They want to control the technology without any interference from civilian scientists. I swore I wouldn't let that happen. Why am I telling you this? Not unusual. I mean, they say exactly the same thing done on Earth. Yeah, we funded it, you've developed it, and were you really naive enough to think that we gave you several million cubits without having to, you know, do stuff with it? Yes, very uh, Battlestar, that is, cubits. (laughs) Well, I watched the pilot on Thursday. That gives us some leverage. You'd use your influence to help me. I could try. Oh, yes. Of course he will. Yes. Maybe I could leverage leverage myself between your breath. (laughs) Yes. Like you say, this is very... Well, there's no reason Cameron shouldn't be. He's single. She's pretty. You know, why not? Really? Don't they have crime on your planet? Well, not in my city. I have no issues with wandering around pretty much any part of Turku with tablet out in my hand at 10 o'clock at night. See, now they're throwing some suspects in. Something's going to happen, you know that. This is the same house. They eventually rebuild this set on the studio mm-hmm. so they can do a bit of fancy camera work. The night the emissary told you that to put you in charge of the project... He came here, right? 
That's right. The mirror that she's sitting in front of. That becomes a problem when they have to shoot into the mirror. Yep. You tend to be able to see the camera. <laughs> Which is why they're at this particular obtuse angle. Yeah. She's Australian, she drinks. What a shark. <laughs> I don't know what this is, but what the hell, it's alcohol. <laughs> That was a very bizarre looking bottle. <laughs> ah. Nice open fire, a couch. You, we need some Barry White on. Come on. You just don't like the way that she says project instead of project. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Sometimes I feel a little guilty. Most of my colleagues from my days at the academy don't look nearly so well. Well, I'm sure you deserve it. I'd forgive her though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perhaps a stick should have been the order of the day, Cameron. She's probably got the better of you when it comes to what you can cannot drink. <laughs> it doesn't pour any punches, does it? After the day I just had, that's the whole point. <sighs> so, you live here on your own? Why do you ask? That's a big place. Yeah. Where are the three cats? Yeah, crazy cat lady. <laughs> Don't go in that room, whatever you do. I thought that was your clever way of asking if I was married. I'm not that clever. <laughs> well, anyway, the answer's yes, I live alone. I was married for a while, but the dog got in the way. Oh, she's a bit forward. Mm -hmm. She knows what she wants. Strange in the air. Unfortunately, the only one I've met over here is already pregnant. I hope you brought protection. <laughs> That's it. Resist. Resist. We shouldn't do this. No, you shouldn't. We wouldn't have come here if you didn't want to. <laughs> this is rather disturbing because we know what's going to happen. Yep. I didn't want to. That's it, Cameron. Upholding the fine tradition of Earthmen going into the stars and seducing alien babes. And I know they keep using that matte shot, but it is fantastic. Nice matte painting. Yep. Emissary, what's going on? Where's Colonel Mitchell? He's been taken into custody. Why? He killed Dr. Varick. What? That's insane. When we found him, his blood alcohol level was extremely high. I suspect it was probably some kind of unpremeditated crime of passion. Yes, we've known him for six months. He wouldn't do anything like that. That's hardly evidence. We also found her blood on his hands and his fingerprints on the murder weapon. But most importantly, he confessed. Of course he confessed, he thinks he did it. In the commentary they said those sculptures in the background were actually real works of art worth quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. Donated by a friend of the producer. I don't know. I deserve to be here. I mean, the whole night is just a blur. <laughs> and that's why this technology is very, very dangerous. Mm -hmm. I just remember feeling this insane anger. I don't know why. And this is where they really went to town in the commentary explaining how they shot all that scene using a Bolex camera from the 1950s hand cranked 16mm film double exposure hand cranked? how yes. do they hand crank it if it's on the end of a bit of wood? no that was a different camera that was a HD camera it wasn't you okay these people can implant memories I've been trying to tell myself the same thing all morning it doesn't stop me from still seeing her face this was a look William were looking for. Something, you know, actually show that it's a memory kind of. Mm -hmm. And they shot it at 4 a.m. in the morning when there were only four people awake. About 100 of the crew were asleep. Mm -hmm. The emissary would like to speak with the prisoner. We need to talk about the so-called evidence you have against Colonel Mitchell. That won't be necessary. 
Colonel Mitchell is free to return to Earth. You know, unfortunately, whenever I hear the words the emissary, every book keeps popping into my head. <laughs> yeah, we're watching the wrong science fiction show here. Wait, wait, wait a minute. If they think I'm guilty, why are they letting me go? They believe it is in the best interests of interplanetary relations to put this difficult business behind us as quickly and as quietly as possible. Colonel Mitchell has been falsely accused. Which means there still could be a murderer out there. I wonder if William Atherton has ever thought about playing the character bold, maybe growing a little beard. This is the Pacific Palisades Hotel in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Always useful when you can use, saves a bit of money and gets a bit of authenticity as well. You know, I'm sure somebody in set design spent hours on that flag. I suppose whenever you do a set design, you never quite know how much is going to be seen on camera. We can have the incident removed from your mind and replace it with a memory of a pleasant, uneventful evening. Just like that. Okay. Forget it ever happened. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Yes. In other words, go away. Well, that's what he asked for. Quit changing. If the evidence continues to point to your guilt, you will be subject to the full force of our laws, and the penalty for murder is death. Cameron, we need to be really careful here. We have no idea how their legal system works. We don't know what kind of rights. Sam, I need to do this. This is like saying, look, take the deal, six months, no trial. I've had Irish police say that to me in an interview. Yeah, literally, the cop actually said to me, if you admit that you did it, then we won't take it any further. And I sat there looking and went, really? Then why have me here in the first place? How dumb do you think? I didn't actually say it, but I was thinking, (laughs) how dumb do you think I am? (laughs) Does this actually work? Yeah, yeah, sign this confession and then we'll rip it up and we'll say no more. It's just for our records. (laughs) He's taking an awful chance. I believe it highly unlikely that the Galerns would execute Colonel Mitchell. It would severely hinder the possibility of future relations with the Tari. Sir, I've already spoken to Dr. Morell. Yeah, one more confession and I get a free tin of biscuits. <laughs> I don't want him hooked up to that damn machine again without one of you present. I'll be observing the analysis. In the meantime, Teal'c and Daniel have been granted access to all the material relevant to the investigation. <laughs> yes, this technology has caused the problem, now it'll solve the problem. Seriously, I know you're clever. How can you understand that level of technology? You know, this would be an excuse to bring in the Tok'ra, because they assume it's based on the gold memory technology. Dr. Morrell and Dr. Amaro will be conducting the analysis. I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how long will it take them to build that? <laughs> well, the, most of the back walls are part of the Atlantis set. Mm-hmm. They're using kind of a little corner of that studio. And the rest of it, if you look at it, it's pretty much just perspex and plastic. I mean, some of the stuff looks like it's from that earlier episode, Revisions, and those little lightning effect machines, they say they normally have them switched off, and I think he's right, because they look a bit cheesy. Mm-hmm. What, the whole plasma ball thing? Yeah. Dr. Morell's companion is Dr. Amoro, played by Benson Simmons. He's been in Supernatural, Cold Squad, War of the Worlds, and Touching Evil. I know their uniforms are a bit bland, mm-hmm. but it kind of does suit this world of what we've seen of it. You know, kind of full length, nothing too uh, Thorish. Got to be better than Lycra. Yeah. Why frame me? They assumed that you claimed diplomatic immunity and therefore no prosecution would be necessary. Whole thing was to be swept under the carpet. They assumed wrong. And for that, we are grateful. Can you prove the memory's false? Well, unfortunately, Dr. Varick was the most qualified to do this work. I'm sure you'll do fine. Please. Do they really need that much space around the chair? Seriously. Yeah, people might thrash randomly. 
Funnily enough, it reminds me a bit of that Star Trek episode, Dagger of the Mind, which had that chair in the room and your brain got messed with. See, they go to all that trouble to have those readouts, which look fantastic, and that they have little flickery uh, lights on his head connected by wires. Mm -hmm. Stop looking so concerned, Sam. Mm -hmm. One memory colors another. That's why it's so difficult to create a successful graft. You have to be careful not to cause too many inconsistencies. All right, Colonel. We need to establish a baseline. What I've done is identify a series of key memories from your childhood. These are seminal moments. They stand out like signposts, and they influence everything that came after them. I'm going to activate one now. Okay, what's in your memory? Oopsie. <laughs> I was on board a spaceship. It was living. You all right? Yeah, it's just weird. What are you seeing? I'm in the VA hospital where they brought my father right after his accident. He was a test pilot, right? Yeah. Otherwise known as borderline suicidal. <laughs> oh, am I? Uh, is that CG or did they actually get an amputee? That is CG. <laughs> Young Mitchell is played by Matt Jurin. I only see one credit. So he probably had enough of this and went and did something else. Mm -hmm. Or he's the son of one of the crew. It's the first time I saw him after the crash. Scared the hell out of me to see him like that. Somehow he made it seem that everything was going to be okay. It was nice though, you know, obviously the father looking at the son wondering how mm -hmm. he'll react. And then the son just doesn't see the missing legs, just sees his dad's okay. Mm -hmm. and smiles. You're pretty much sure everything's going to be all right. We're watching the launch of the first space shuttle. I can't be much more than 10 years old. Go, baby, go! What do you think of that, Cam? Space planes. I tell you what, if they can pull that off, the least I can do is walk again, right? Frank Mitchell is played by Ian Robinson, Canadian actor. He's been in Fringe, Supernatural, Psych, X-Files, Millennium, a very long career in TV. Mm -hmm. Ends up being in three episodes of Stargate SG-1. Two as Frank Mitchell and one as a security guard. We'll need to run through your memories of the murder. We may have to do it several times. Should we now? Yes. Great. Oh dear. <laughs> Teal, Dr. Jackson, what can I do for you? We've got a problem. Uh, this data file was supposed to contain all materials relevant to the murder investigation, but large sections of Dr. Varick's personal records have been deleted. Well, she was involved in a number of our most top-secret projects. The deletions were made in the interest of national security, but I'm sure there's nothing in the missing material that has any bearing on the investigation. How are we to be certain? Because I'm telling you. It's a big USB stick. Yes. I'm sure there's nothing there relevant. You can take my word for it. <laughs> and I'm trustworthy. Go on, ask me. Are you trustworthy? Yes, I am. There you go. <laughs> What's with the purple highlights? We must be missing something. We've been through it three times. What's the problem? Well, maybe we should run another diagnostic. It's not going to change the result. I need some air. So far, we can't find any evidence that the memory is false. According to these results, Colonel Mitchell really did murder Dr. Varick. When the episode was written, they read it, they could say, this is something different, something new, something that Stargate doesn't normally do. No, I'd imagine not. 
if it was truly interesting, they'd have made it a two-parter in the mid-season break. Dr. Morrell, you have to continue with the analysis. Please. You know he didn't do this. That's not what the machine says. We shite. <laughs> I know Dr. Varick was your friend. She was more than that, Colonel. Oh. You're right. She was my wife. So when he came up to her at the party then, a little jealousy. Mm. We've been separated for two years. Guess I was still hoping there might be a... Ch I can't help you. Because I'm the one that did it. No, I don't remember which one of them did it. <laughs> so don't ruin on me. Yes. Walter. Sir, Dr. Lamb's in surgery, but she wanted you to see this right away. It's the results of the analysis of Colonel Mitchell's blood sample. Anything useful? He's memorized this. Which means what? Trypanins were negative, but the CK and the myoglobins were up. No wait. Um, You're just reciting it, Walter. You haven't got a clue what it means. Let him read the report. <laughs> I'm sure the doctors highlighted the relevant sessions. Sir, whatever it was. It means that when the sample was taken, Colonel Mitchell had been recently either stunned or rendered unconscious by some kind of electrical charge. Like a Zat gun? Yes, sir. Or some such similar to... You see? That's all you had to say. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, for Bushley! <laughs> Dismissed on this. <laughs> just, uh, just go away, Walter. This is too painful. Yes, you've got Gorman and, you know, privates to do this. Wow, on Earth you have to prove guilt. Ooh. I know, we're not on Earth. I'll admit, it's enough to suggest to them that the investigation should continue. But Dr. Morell has expressed reluctance to help you any further. Understandable. Yes. At least let us talk to him. Well, Dr. Morell or Colonel Mitchell? Both, I would Sorry, imagine. Morell. She told me she'd been married. She didn't tell me it was you. Would it have made any difference? <laughs> no. Had you seen her? Very demanding woman. Even if I wanted to help you, there's nothing more I can do. Why not? Well, as you know, we use Colonel Mitchell's own memories to establish comparative standard. And normally that should have been enough to identify any false readings, but... This isn't looking good, really. There's a question mark, but they can't prove it. The transfer was so expertly done that the ordinary methods of detecting it are useless. What other methods are there? Well, the only way would be to compare what happened the other night with a genuine memory of similar content and emotional resonance. So unless Colonel Mitchell's made a habit of killing innocent people. <laughs> well, as it happens. I may have what you need. Oh, dear. You what? <laughs> Here to explain. Hook me up. No, I don't really remember this episode at all. It's possible they didn't see it. How long do you think it <laughs> takes for them to scan through somebody's memory, even if they're trying to identify one particular memory? Mm-hmm. What are we looking at? The emotional resonance pattern of this memory is very similar to that of Dr. Varick's murder. Okay then, the camera's zooming out. Expectations building, what are we going to see? What is the secret in Cameron's mind? Mustang leader, this is Mustang 3. Do we have a confirmation on the target yet? As we saw in the fourth horseman, the Air Force loaned him two F-16s. So they did all the cockpit work in a real F-16, just moving the camera around to give the uh, effect of motion. Still trying to confirm that the target is in the convoy. Triple A on my three, breaking left. The actual dogfight, of course, is CGI. Ben had a little bit of a problem because every time they put the canopy down, it took about 30 seconds for the temperature to jump to about 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. That has always been one of my favourite planes. It's outclassed these days, but it, it looks fantastic. Very versatile. Mm -hmm. 
and supposedly, you know, very easy to fly, considering what it's capable of. Yeah, just not particularly great at the old EMP, because the whole thing's fly-by-wire. That's pretty much every aircraft these days, unless they're actually going to be uh, protected. Roger that. At the time of filming this episode, there had been a friendly fire incident by a Canadian Air Force. Weapon is armed. Oops. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bomb is away. What the hell's going on, Mustang leader? We've lost confirmation on the target. You gotta be kidding me. Can you confirm hit? Stand by. Oh. Nice to know the targeting system works. <laughs> target is destroyed. Now, why couldn't the bomb hit just in front and the cars drop into the crater? That'd at least been funny. Sorry about that, Captain. And he dropped the bomb. <laughs> we were relying on local allied intelligence, obviously someone dropped the ball. Colonel Davidson, played by John Trelaven. You may have seen him in Fringe and Smallville and Psych. Don't do this to yourself. Oh dear. That's it. Perfectly okay to kill people if you're tempted to kill them, but not by accident. The effect's same. As far as we know, it was a group of refugees. This wasn't your fault. That's a beautifully lit scene. It doesn't change the fact that I have to live with it for the rest of my life. And then notice the cheers on casters. <laughs> Please tell me you got what you need. We're analyzing the results now. Just give us a few moments. Really putting him through the ringer. He'd only not gone home with us that mm. night. And we still don't know, did he get lucky or not? Yeah. No. No. Mm. Yes. It worked. The new data indicates that the memory of Rhea's murder was implanted. Thank God. I'll inform the emissary. Hang on a second. We may have proved that I didn't kill her, but we're not finished, not by a long shot. I have to know who did it. And I'm not leaving here until we find out. Now he's out for justice. Yes. Fired up. Revenge. <laughs> Revenge. And again, like I say, they were very pleased with that map painting. <laughs> Because we know the memory was implanted, we can expect to find anomalies. Little moments where the brain is simply incapable of dealing with the inconsistencies that arise as a result of the graft. Yes, it's amazing, isn't it? When they were trying to sell the SGC this technology, it was wonderful, it was fantastic. Nah, there's all these problems, all these complications with it. Well, yes and no. Where the memory starts and stops. The problem is they can often be difficult to detect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Sam. Now you're plugged into the mains, and this won't hurt a bit. He's ready. Well, to a given degree of being ready. He's not happy about it. Twirling around and around. You wanted to see us? I understand Dr. Morell and Dr. Amura were able to determine that the memory was an implant. Now we know he didn't do it, you can leave, can't you? <laughs> A trial could have been extremely detrimental to relations between our worlds. Not to mention inconvenient for Colonel Mitchell. Yes, of course. <laughs> you can tell when Tilk is grinning inside, can't you? The way he Yeah. Colonel Mitchell believes that an analysis of the false memory could prove useful in determining the true identity of the murderer. I'm sorry. You won't allow it? Well, he is the emissary. Baseball! Baseball? What is this? 
Wrong show. That's what it is. I throw this ball to you. But now it's time they got back to their research. Look, all we're asking for is a little more time. The project is already behind schedule. Dr. Morell is the most qualified to lead the research now, and his new responsibilities preclude him from participating in this investigation anymore. Colonel Mitchell was assaulted. You see, if you're looking for motives, yeah. unfortunately, Dr. Morell has quite a few. He's got a promotion. She's his ex-wife. <laughs> and if you want to get in his way, let's just say, when it comes time to decide if we want to pursue this relationship, his opinion's going to carry a lot of weight. Again, the emissary, as we saw in the initial scene, he seemed to be attracted to her as well. Come on, Sam, just go for the whole candy striper look, because at the moment all you're doing is playing the nurse. You should be helping out, actually uh, analysing the data. That they could be buried so deep, we'll never find them even if we go over it a hundred times. It's the least I can do for now. Let's keep going. All right. Very pretty computer graphics. They always do an excellent job with the playback, often referenced in the commentary. What the hell is that lens doing there? <laughs> what, what possible use does that achieve? It's the laser so you can burn a hole in the person's skull. <laughs> Keep digging deeper, digging deeper. Look, we know the memory's false by comparison. There must be some other indication. We've been through this a dozen times and spice points are indistinguishable. I know, but I now realise that's because he was rendered unconscious before the procedure was begun. And he was still unconscious long after it was completed. The whole thing has the quality of a dream. It's jumbled up in his mind. All right, so what can we do about it? Focus on the inconsistencies in the memory itself. But what if there aren't any? I'm wasting my time explaining this to you. Can I do my work? Temper, temper. Okay, he's got something to hide. How's he doing? Not too good. Doesn't sound like you're making a lot of progress. Or else determined, but I don't know. The graft appears to be flawless. Yeah, so... Why not do it? Are you trying to hide something? Mm. The set on the studio. They took away the mirror. Basically, it's a hole in the wall. Mm -hmm. Got something. There. You see it? Yes. What is it? It's what we've been looking for. Colonel Mitchell, can you hear me? Yeah. We've identified a point in the memory where we think there may be an anomaly. I'm going to activate it now. I want you to tell me what you see. William Waring, the director in the commentary, said he always wanted to shoot a scene like that. Hmm. I'm in the house. I'm walking down the hallway. It is a great effect, I'll mm. give him that. Brutal scene, really, all things considered. You know, an episode like this, you'd, you'd have seen this on Showtime, not on when it was uh, on the Sci-Fi channel. Mm -hmm. Can you run it again? Maybe slow it down a little. You can imagine whoever edited this episode really had a, the time of their life. Mm -hmm. That's really going to push your talents, plus gives you a hell of a creativity with it as well. But the face is blurry. It's an anomaly. If the reflection in the mirror is not your own, your brain can't deal with it. That's why it's blurred. Can you clean it up? I think so. Yeah, that's not me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you look a bit rough. <laughs> the clue. How? Seriously. It's his memory. You're asking the brain to kind of rewrite its memory, mm -hmm. you know, to filter out. Hello. We recognise him. Yeah. The guy that's been trying to find the truth all along. Something fishy going on. Mm. What did you see? Who was it? 
Who is it? <laughs> Pardon? I'm not doing a very good job of covering it up then, am I? Mm. Are you sure? Positive. <laughs> it was Morel. That's impossible. If he killed her, why would he be helping us? I mean, he wanted to reveal the identity of the murder more than anyone. Yeah. What if he doesn't know? What, you're saying he killed her and then implanted the memory in Colonel Mitchell? And then erased it from his own mind? How? Like they said, let's ignore the fact that if he erased his own memory, he'd wake up on the chair with electrodes. And you never got over it. Then you saw me leave the party with her. It's impossible. Well, there's one way to find out for sure. If he really did erase his own memory, he would have had to replace it with something else. We can check for anomalies the same way we did with Colonel Mitchell. So, is it something simple as jealousy? He won't find anything. Hmm. I've got nothing to hide. I'm sure I've got nothing to hide. I've got everything to hide. But he doesn't know that, does he? <laughs> we found that he had two identical memories. One from the night of the murder and one from several nights before. Except no two memories are exactly the same. It's like signatures. When they're identical, that's when you know that they've been forged. As far as he knows, he was in bed sleeping the whole time. He didn't just want to fool us. He wanted to fool himself. To get rid of the guilt. And that's what did it, man. Yes, but... Did somebody plant the memory and take it away, then plant the memory, then take it away and plant the memory? Uh, yes. Go running around in circles. You might as well try and explain Primer. <laughs> Friend of mine watched it five or six times and said it's something to do with the ties. How do you feel? Now, what good memory have they given him? I guess. Yeah, so how far did you get, Cameron? You should no longer have the image of killing Dr. Varick in your mind, but all of your genuine memories should be intact. She was wearing the same clothes, so... <laughs> yes, I think they've left him with a decent memory. I still remember. Thanks. Another twist. <laughs> Dr. Amaral. Shocked looks on everybody's faces. And you must be our visitors from Earth. Are you alright? Well, no. No, oh, my wife just died, you insensitive swine. <laughs> Of course I'm not alright. Mm. To be honest, I still can't believe she's really gone. The love of my life is gone. Mm. I will like out. I talked it over with the emissary and we both agreed that the best thing for me now is to get back to work. Yes, <laughs> with the promotion and a pay rise. Woohoo! <laughs> it was nice to meet you. Mm. I tell you, we really want this technology in the hands of the US government. Mm. It was probably a crime of passion. Mm. You know, there are countries out there who would totally understand that. Yeah, France has a lot. Yeah, I can remember hearing that. I don't know if it was still on the statute books, if walking in on your wife with another bloke was grounds for letting you shoot them both. He doesn't know he killed her. There was no way to recover that memory. And that's supposed to make it okay? It was for the good of the project. And Dr. Varick would have understood that. Okay, I don't like keyboards, they're way too colourful. <laughs> kind of sticks out of the bland nature of the... Maybe it was produced by the San Francisco Division. <laughs> the Rainbow Coalition. Keyboards are us. Certainly, I can't imagine Fusion would use them. No. Now, seriously, for SG-1, <laughs> they should have their own locker room. Yeah. Cameron, as leader of SG-1, should not have a usual locker, especially next to Godfrey. It's, it's... Godfrey's a swine, we know that. Is he? No, I'm just making that up. I figured we'd seen him at some point. You know me with names. I figured he was like <laughs> the guy in Atlantis who was brought in purely so people can hate him. 
Colonel Carter told me what you had to do to prove your innocence. Something about reliving a difficult memory. They're a little worried about this scene. They wondered if should Cameron face his superior officer mm. as they did treat it as a kind of a one-on-one -on -one conversation just between friends. Because mm -hmm. I think these are friends, these two guys. Yeah. But I guess something like that never goes away, does it? No. When it happened, I almost resigned my commission. I'm glad you didn't. It's nice to do something other than the West Wing because now when I'm studying Swedish and I'm debating with myself in English, I'm hearing Liam McGarry's voice. <laughs> now, look the little girl in the background. Mm -hmm. That is Michael Shanks's daughter. Really? Tatiana. You know, when you were married to Bateria, mm -hmm. who played Charay, that is the product of their marriage. Fly the New York DC shuttle five times a day, mow the lawn on Sundays. That doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, well, for someone else, maybe, but not for you. It'd been easier if you'd grown up to be more like your mother. But you're just like me. Always looking to the horizon, always looking for something more. I'm not like you, Dad. Not that strong. No, that's where you're wrong, kid. You just don't know it yet. Again, this is a mm -hmm. good scene. It speaks a lot about how Cameron came to be, who he was. He'd seen his father come through this, and that probably gave him the strength as well to pull through when he was in critical condition. Indeed. Like I say, we will see Frank in a later episode. Something to look forward to. That's odd, because the photo is that Frank's sort of no longer on this plane of existence. Jeff Upton? Yes, Jeff Upton was the gaffer on the Stargate SG-1. He passed away during the hiatus when this episode was filmed. Hmm. Born in Nottingham. Hmm. Age 56, I'm quite young. i got to say, Nottingham's Midlands is quite possibly one of the most miserable airports I've ever had the misfortune to travel through in the UK. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe it was just the weather, but I just have a... It's not hateful in the same way that Heathrow or Atlanta, or indeed Copenhagen, but it's just awful. I've never actually flown through uh, East Midlands. I've been there. I've dropped people off and picked people up. Mm -hmm. Okay, then. That was collateral damage. Do I take a run at that again? Why? You said collateral damage. <laughs> Fair enough. If you can say project, I can say collateral damage. Fine. <laughs> Leave it in. It could be a thing. It's a thing, then. Yes. We'll mention it for the next three or four episodes. Fair enough. Despite being a very different episode, I quite enjoyed that. Much darker than we used to, although... We have had themes running through this season, where, especially with the ORI, where things have been a little nasty. I think the one-on-one -on -one violence, the, the crime of passion, or maybe just, well, all sorts, and, you know, exact motivation, we never actually made clear. But I think this is where you see the beginnings of the producers and the writers looking for, you know, maybe trying something different, looking to try something not quite so family-friendly. thing is, it explores quite complex psychological themes. I mean, as a... We are defined by our memories. It forms the core of our identity, our experiences. It's something which fascinates psychologists. Yeah, as jumping to another franchise, as Captain Kirk said in Star Trek V, <laughs> I want my pay makes me me. Indeed. Or as he said in Star Trek II, famously, loudly, elongatedly, with many A's between the K, the H and the N. That wasn't pain, that was anger. 
Yes, he still said it infamously. In fact, The Simpsons even ripped the piss out of it. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah, you. What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We'll kick off this week with a little news about the upcoming Chevron 8.1 convention that takes place April the 4th through the 6th at the Radisson Edwardian Hotel, Heathrow in London. The headline guests for the event include Joe Flanagan, Rachel Luttrell, Martin Wood and Patrick Curry, with signings, photo shoots and events taking place over the weekend. On the birthday front, we have a few this week, which include on the 9th, Brenna O'Brien, who played the young Adria in Flesh and Blood. On the 10th, Yi Ji So has his birthday. He has been on the SG-1 episode Absolute Power and the Atlantis episodes Doppelganger and Adrift. The 12th sees the birthday of Rick Worthy, an excellent character actor, who played Katano on the SG-1 episode The Warrior, and has also been on Battlestar and more recently Vampire Diaries. On the 13th, Steve Basic, a.k.a. Camulus, celebrates his birth, and Noah Begg shares his special day. Noah played a security officer on SG-1, and Dex on the Atlantis episode Home. Garwin Sanford and Grace Park share the 14th as their birthday. Grace appeared on the SG-1 episode Proving Ground before making her mark on Battlestar and then Hawaii Five-0. And Garwin became one of the more loved guest stars, appearing as Nareem in three episodes of SG-1 and then as Simon Wallace in three episodes of Atlantis. Not that much chatter about last week's episode on Facebook or Google+, but thanks to everyone who shared our links over Twitter. Always appreciated. Miles did post on the Facebook Gatecast group it's too bad this is the last time we see Ford. With making him a little dark and damaged, he was a lot more interesting. I would have liked to see what ended up happening to him. It's too bad they didn't explore that more. And I replied, yes, making Ford a little more wild gave the character the edge he lacked when being vanilla soldier boy. We did get a voicemail from Brad, so let's play that. Greetings, Alan and Mike, and the Gatecast listeners. Brad here once again with some feedback for the latest episode 213, The Hive. Yeah, got some big problems with this one, both in story, inconsistency, and some of the plot points. The drugged up McKay was a fun little scene, and really, yeah, really played it well. Although, even if he was drugged up, I can't see him taking on two, two skilled fighters just because he's become air quote super. He still needs to know how to fight, and I suppose that comes through in the lack of fight choreography. Then also he says later that it was like he was perfectly lucid the whole time and everyone else didn't make sense, which makes you wonder how he could get the DHD fixed. You'd almost think it it looked like he was never getting it right to get it working again. I suppose he'd never get back then. Another little problems, Major Lawn on the bridge of the Daedalus questioning Caldwell's mission ahead. We know he's a career soldier. He should be listening to Caldwell and taking his orders and acting on them instead of asking why we're doing this and why we're doing that and having Caldwell explain and I thought Caldwell should have reprimanded him on that, but it was a little odd. And the Wraith worshippers, yeah, I get your point, Mike. There's not really any need for them apart from story and plot. And they do come up later on in the series, I suppose, this bit of starting point for that. And I don't really mind the idea, but yeah, again, it doesn't really make sense why they'd have them apart from a ready, willing food source nearby. And the line of dialogue saying that they get a different kind of energy from them when they're actually willing participants to be fed upon. Might have gone a long way to understanding why they're there. The end space battle, that was good to see. You can certainly see the dollar spent once again. 
Unfortunately, if the episode didn't have that, it'd only be ranked lower than SV1 Season 8 Evolution. Yeah, Ford's back, but it wasn't really good of a two-parter, in my opinion. And the ending, Shepard parked the dart off-world because he didn't think it fit in the jumper bay. The jumper's a 10 seater craft that can go through the gate. The dart can go through the gate, so you'd think the dart would be a little bit smaller than the jumper. Yet it's left on a planet, and spoiler alert, it's never brought up again, ever, in the next four seasons, so little bit of an odd one to just leave something like that sitting there when we can use it to our advantage but we have a lost point there but yeah there are some random thoughts on the episode and um, I'll be back to talk to you all again later bye bye as always Brad outdid himself recording his audio on the move and with his frequent Herculean efforts to join us on the show with the time zone differences etc he's a god amongst the gatecast family excellent points about Lorne and the worshippers Maybe Lorne is getting some bad points from serving under John. And perhaps the flavour, if you will, of a willing food sauce. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If, like Brad, you want to get in touch with us, there are plenty of ways. You can visit us at the main website, which is gatecast.co.uk, or email us at gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Google+. Look for Gatecast. And on Twitter we are at the Gatecast, which is one word. We are carried on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio, so reviews and ratings are most welcome on those two platforms. And we'd love to have more guests with us for an episode of SG-1 or Atlantis. A third voice in the mix offers more chance for discussion, and as we've seen, Brad's points about the Hive would have added to the actual podcast episode, although feedback is gold to a podcaster. Right then, let's get back to the show. Next week's episode, Epiphany. I see. Yes. From the title, what's that about? <laughs> really? No, that's probably what you were thinking. No, uh, I was thinking I launched Steam, but it launched full screen, so I had to exit so I could hang up. Okay, multitasking. You just can't wait, can you? I just want to input the code, just to make sure it works. Look, they want eighteen ninety nine for Half-Life 2. If I suddenly discover I can get it for free because I already own it, then this makes me a happier face. Fair enough. Next week's episode, as I said, Epiphany, Stargate Atlantis, in which John Shepard gets marooned on former ancient world and has to deal with maybe ascended being. Mm. Or maybe the evil aspects of the ascended beings of the beast. Indeed, you do remember it. And force them to face their own fears. Yes, that I remember. This one I don't remember at all. <laughs> it's possible you okay. can see it, but that one, yes. Dealing with the mind and one's inner demons, as it were. Yes. Okay then, I hope you join us for that. But until then, I've been Mike. I've been Alan. Take care everybody and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.